When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Isaac is shadowing. That is frightening for him. Alexis also sitting in. Elijah Herbal is geared up. Sorry about the donks last night. Tell me about it. You have nothing for me. Back-to-back overtime losses. And, I mean, I go in with no expectations, and yet they still find a way to disappoint me. Well, there, there are some expectations for Nebraska football to, to finish this season out. We'll dive into those with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic in about 20 minutes. And then Matt Schick of ESPN, of ESPN Radio, and of Sirius XM, and, of course, the Schick and Nick show with Sirius I should say with her dad uh, podcast, he'll join us in hour two. Numbers for you to get in today on Hale Varsity at 466-3776-466-3776. Toll free 800-825-5865 where you can hear us around the state. And always give us uh, a gander on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, ESPN Lincoln Facebook and Twitter. Also the Hale Varsity radio twitter handle at hvarsity radio can uh, send your comments in on the Streamyard email chris at hailvarsity.com so we will hand out midterm reports always a fearful time both of my freshman years were not great little academic probation not proud of that but then i got into broadcasting and things worked out okay a lot less math and econ to uh, to get beat up by. But uh, we'll hand some grades out. We'll do positions and then overall. And it's really weird. It's um, the first half of the semester, so to speak. The second half of the semester. And you have the, the Frost GPA versus the Joseph GPA. You combine those, you get your grade. We'll give you a chance to, to weigh in with your grades as well. So uh, there's already a lot of chatter out there about three SEC teams in the college football playoff. You have NFL trade deadline looming. Who's going to go where? We can get into all of that as well. But Elijah, what? listen, I've taught a little bit. I've student taught twice. I worked as a para for a while. And when it came to, to putting in grades, that was a, a part of the job that was necessary, but you really wanted to, to work with said student and see if they could improve or help them where they were struggling. I was a guy that went in for a lot of help after school, and I was still awful in math, right? Just is what it is. 
and, and not a strength of mine. Uh, but I can tell you how many yards per carry Walter Payton had in the playoffs. Different type of story problem I was great at versus when Lucy went down to the corner store to buy eggs, bread, and butter. Uh, if Lu- you know, go, go through the, the typical standardized test story problem, flunk. But if I could put it in football terms or batting average or free throw percentage, I was okay. That was my justification. That was always my go-to when it came to sit down and face the music with mom and dad as to why your grades are terrible. We put your brother's report card on the fridge. We burn yours. They even bought a shredder. (laughs) I mean, it was just celebratory. Uncle Mark will put your grades up on the fridge because you're smart. Chris, older brother, what kind of example are you setting? When I think of grades, we've got to go to Animal House. We've got to go to the Dean Wormer scene with Delta House uh, front and center right after their midterms. They stole the wrong test exams, and clearly uh, they failed. They were teetering anyway. Have you gentlemen seen your midterm grades yet? Well, they're not posted yet, sir. I've seen them. Mr. Kroger, two C's, two D's, and an F. That's a 1.2 grade average. Congratulations, Kroger. You're at the top of the Delta Pledge class. <laughs> Congratulations. Two D's, two C's, and an F. So if, if, if we were going to put Nebraska football, what it, it's got to be the wide receiver group. They're better than Kroger. They're better than two C's, two D's, and an F. But if we're handing out grades right now, the wide receiver group, a lot of that's Trey Palmer, uh, head of the class, is leading the way for the offense. I give the the receivers and tight end group a B plus. Okay, well, are we combining receivers and tight ends? In I one? am. Okay, I am. Are you or no? I see. Whenever Travis Vokalek has been playing for that tight end group. It's been great, but the, the, the guys that they have had trying to fill in for him in, in a couple of games this season ha- have been a little bit disappointing. So it's a little bit of a, a tale of, of... Who's two, on. Yeah, a, a tale of two seasons, if you will, based on who has been playing in the game. Because I'm willing to give Travis Vokal like a B or a B plus. His blocking has been pretty he's good awesome. in tight end position. Uh, he's been catching the ball with consistency, but those couple of games in Borkutcher had to come in and, and fill a... Some large shoes left couple behind. A couple of penalties, a couple of drops. Penalties, yeah. drops. I'm, I'm talking more C minus D plus. So I... I struggle to grade the tight ends for that reason. With the wide receivers, I'm, I'll willingly give them. Trey Palmer gets an A. Sure. I think everyone else probably gets a B minus to C plus. So I think you average those two together, considering how how heavily involved Trey Palmer's been in the offense. I, I think I give the receivers overall a B. B. Okay. Okay. I mean Washington and and Oliver Martin's reemerged right before he transferred out. Uh, Castanetes was. Good in Dublin, right? Maybe it's just an international thing. But I give, uh, with the the good tight end play, Chance uh, Brewington's been good, not only at blocking, but he has a, a touchdown too. I, I give the receivers and tight ends a B-plus grade right now. Uh, more from Animal House. We'll get to the quarterbacks here. Mr. Dorfman. Hello. 0.2. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. And listen, Casey Thompson's been hit so many times, driven into the ground so many times, he's got to feel drunk. Okay? <laughs> I was wondering where you are going with that. Well, 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Get him, a, get him a shot and get him some ice. Numb that pain, baby. I got to go. I'm going to be generous here. I know there's been some picks. I know he's had to run for his life. He's been to the medical tent. He's taken his lineman out to eat for some reason because he's a good guy. I'm going to give the quarterback a B plus. See, and I have to evaluate this in, in a vacuum. <laughs> in, in a vacuum, and I, I know the offense line. Well, we'll hear from in, Hoover in a moment. We'll, we'll get to the offense line here in just a second. I'm sure we will. Uh, but whenever I look at the, the the quarterback position, I think a lot of Husker fans wanted an upgrade on Adrian Martinez from last season. And that's not who Casey is. I mean, you got to evaluate them in their own light. Adrian's been incredible. Adrian's been very good. And I think Husker fans were expecting better. And it's been about the same. I haven't seen a noticeable uptick in quarterback play. And I haven't seen a noticeable downgrade either from Casey Thompson. For that reason, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with a B- for Casey. Uh, he has could have done better with ball placement in a few games this season. Uh, he missed on some throws he really shouldn't have missed on so far this season. So I, I can't be too generous with him, but he's done everything you've asked him to do, and he's been playing through tough circumstances. And while he, I don't want to factor that in, I think I'm going to go B- minus to a B, depending on the day. B-plus for me because he should be injured. He is not. He is toughness and ability to hang in and make some throws uh, outweigh, for me, some of the, the missed opportunities. The red zone was tough against Purdue, but the guy has been uh, every inch of what you've needed at quarterback, and he's made some big plays. Uh, Whipple's been really nice. Uh, They have gotten decent quarterback play. They've gotten really good coaching. Let's talk running back room and uh, more uh, foreshadowing here by Dean Wormer. Mr. Hoover, president of Delta House, 1.6. Four C's and an F. A fine example you set. <laughs> Daniel Simpson Day has no grade point average. All courses incomplete. The uh, comparison here is the 1.7. Soon, Nebraska's yards per carry will be at 1.7. Right? That's just what it is. The running backs, I would give them a B. But you look at what they've been able to generate, not their fault. It's been a lot of John Wayne yardage on their own. They dropped down to a C-plus for me. Okay? Finally, the offensive line. Let's hear it. Mr. Blutowski. 0.0. (laughs) <laughs> the iconic scene with Belushi has two pencils in his nose and the wor- the old wormer staring him down. Your F grade on the offense is the offensive line. Hate to be that guy. It's obvious. It is what it is. As uh, Hoover says in the film moments later, we're hoping our midterms can really boost us up. You're, as a Nebraska fan, really hoping that the uh, final few ball games, the final five, are going to really uh, tell the tale and flip. You've got a week off. You get a chance to keep getting better and coached up. The offensive line is allowing too much heat on Casey. You're not running for many yards, uh, at least from a penalty standpoint. That is hit or miss. The efforts there 
but the talent is not right now for what you're asking them to do. And uh, you're not open to any run game. You're very one-dimensional. That's what you have right now. Overall, whoa, whoa, whoa. what what I say here, what I say, I said, give me a B-plus at quarterback and, and wide out. Give me a C-plus at running back. Give me an F at offensive line. I'm going to score this thing on a curve, Elijah. And I'm going to say that, that the offense is right now at, at a C-plus. I think that's fair. They're bordering on a B. Really? Well, they put up a lot of points. They've answered the bell. They haven't gotten complimentary football that often. They've had to, for for what you had in the Rutgers game, <laughs> okay, without a run game, what you had in the second half against Indiana, you scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You were down 17, and you stormed back with a chance to tie multiple times. That's where I'm going. That's why I'm generously leaning towards a B. C-plus for sure. Maybe you can talk me into a B. See, I look at everyone else outside of Trey Palmer and give him a C-minus, but I think the Trey Palmer effect alone raises that grade point average to to, to a C-plus. I can see that. Everyone outside of Trey Palmer, though, collectively gets a a C-minus from me. Because I look at the offensive line, I think your F is pretty fair, but if you do split that up into two different phases of the game, pass protection gets an F. 100%. 100%. No no question about it. What are you giving the run I'll blocking? A, a D minus. I'll, okay. I'll take them out you'll, of it. You'll give them I'll, a passing grade for the run game? D minus is not a passing grade. No, it, no yeah, it is. A D. It, it is in high school. It's not in college. It depends on, you again, it depends on your major. It also depends on your major, sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess in, in the game of football, a, a, a D minus <laughs> is not a passing grade. In the game of football, I think you need to get to at least a C to be a passing grade in football. D minus is not passing for me, but I will give them credit where credit is due in that two games this season, they, they did run the ball with some success, and I could even go as far as to say three. North Dakota and Georgia Southern, you should run the ball against, so it's hard to put too much stock into that, too much weight into that. But Indiana is still a Big Ten football team, and Nebraska did still exert their will on the ground in the third and the fourth quarter. So if you take those three games out, sure, it's an F, but I think the effort from the offensive line in those three games might raise it to a D- minus in my book just because, you know what, you did what you were expected, but you did still get some rushing attack going in those couple of games. So I think I'll get them a D- minus for uh, for just their pure effort and, and overall, what they done in those games. Overall, we'll get to the defensive side of the ball here in about 20 minutes. Take your calls, your grades, get your red pen of death out. Uh, Jeff says, well, with all that's gone on with Nebraska football, I bet I'm still happier than Notre Dame fans or a lot of Oklahoma fans, just saying. Yeah, but Oklahoma and Notre Dame still have a decent shot of bowl eligibility. It looks well, rougher and tougher for Nebraska. Well, let's get back to grades here. Whenever you get you know, a couple weeks into the semester and you're sitting at a, a D-, you know what? You're going to be pretty happy to get, to get a C mm-hmm. by the end of the season. It comes down to expectations, but if you're a team that comes into a semester and you're expecting to get an A in a class and you're sitting at the midway point at a C-, you're going to be pretty damn disappointed. I mean, you, you could both be sitting at a D minus halfway through the semester, and it comes down to expectations to talk about how, how happy you are. And, and just because, you know what, I was expecting a lot worse, it doesn't mean you're, you're doing well by any means still. Matt chimes in, if you grade the offense on a curve and only put Iowa in there, it looks like uh, looks good if you squint. It's a lot of lipstick. But uh, take your grades. can email in chris at hailvarsity.com. And... I think, I mean, it was clearly an F, not passing. 
while Frost was running things, again, this is not to kick dirt. It is what it is. Mickey's come in and uh, everyone's hit study hall, i.e. practice. And things have jumped a little bit. You're at least two and two versus one and three. Uh, Mitch Sherman will give us his grades, his take on Purdue, the outlook for the rest of the season, that five-game season Mickey Joseph talks about. Numbers to get in today at 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. Emails we'll get to as well. Chris at HailVarsity.com. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio and get Elijah at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Mitch Sherman next, uh, about uh, less than an hour away from ESPN's Mad Chick. It is midterm report card time on a Tuesday with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Back from West Lafayette, Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter is where you find him. Mitch, how we doing? Doing well. Just watching a little um, American League Division Series baseball. So, all things considered, it's a good Tuesday. How, uh, how are the Yanks doing? Ooh, I uh, just had a collision there at first base. Uh, they're doing, the Yanks are doing just fine. They're up 4-1 to one in the fourth. Okay. Uh, I got a happy uh, Junior and Mama at home, but an unhappy Nick Hanley uh, up in Omaha. So, Can't okay. please everybody. No, I <laughs> you're right. So, on that thought, um, some good, some bad, some frustrating with, with Purdue. Going to be a, a tough ask for Nebraska to go on the road. Uh, Vegas said what they said with the spread. And somehow, Mitch, Nebraska is still in it, just needed a stop, and they couldn't get it. Yeah, you got a lot of tough asks, I would say, here in the second half of the season, which started at Purdue for Nebraska. Um, just the the lineup of running backs and defensive units that Nebraska is going to face here over the next five or six weeks is formidable. And Purdue showed just a – it brought just a preview of that. It, it, you know, the, the Boilers are good, uh, and, and they matched up well against Nebraska, but I think in some of Nebraska's most deficient areas, the matchups are just going to get worse from here. So Huskers got some stuff to work on for sure in this bye week, and also some things out of that game that they can take and feel good about. Some of the same things that we've seen with this team in the past, their ability to fight, their ability to keep things close. So there's a new, you know, there's a new hue on the whole thing because this is a different uh, head coach and the coordinators 
uh, you know, in, well, really in the case of both, but certainly on the defensive side or is, is entirely new here. So, you know, it's, it's uh, three and four here. It's, it's, it's tough for Nebraska where they're at, but, you know, certainly all hope is not lost to salvage some things from this season. Mitch, is one of the, the positive takeaways for you from that Purdue game the fact that it finally feels like Nebraska does have an offensive identity? And while that offensive identity maybe chuck it deep to Trey Palmer, it's better than having no uh, no identity whatsoever. It's better than having nothing. Yeah, I'd say you're right. Um, it's not much of an identity though. Just just throw it up and hope that your uh, speedy receiver is going to go get under the ball. Th- that's you know that's great for like the the backyard. Um, you know, I think there are some places in college football where that can be effective. It was clearly effective for Nebraska in a certain way, you know, to be able to score quick against Purdue. It's not going to be a formula that wins games for Nebraska consistently the rest of the way in the Big Ten. I mean, Trey can continue to have good days. Teams are going to figure out ways to shut him down. There's, you're going to see help with safeties you're going to see better coverage from corners you know I think he's still going to get his catches Um, but you saw the toll that that took overall on Nebraska in that the Huskers ran 52 plays to produce 101 Nebraska was scoring quick and of course the point is to score but you know you you were doing some things offensively at the expense of the rest of your strategy and because Purdue was able to put drives together and continue to move the chains, 38 first downs is just, um, you know, very difficult to overcome as a team. And Nebraska, I think was fortunate to keep it as close as it did, to be honest. Mitch with this bye week and the five game season, you know, what's realistic to, to fix for Nebraska moving forward against Illinois to give them a, a puncher's chance here to get bowl eligible uh, or, or be in it. I mean, I think they'll, they'll fight, but what's, what's the outlook? I want to, we're going to get into some grading as well. We, we started the show off with midterm report cards, a dreaded moment sure. in my house growing up, but uh, <laughs> uh, with, with, you know, what realistically can they become or, or are they what they are at this point? In some spots, yeah, I think that's the case. I think on the offensive line, they are what they are. There's not magical backups to put in. You can't make a trade. You know, you can do some things with the tight end, I think, to chip against um, against the edge rushers and, and slow down the pass rush a bit, but then you're taking away uh, a weapon mm-hmm. uh, or a couple of weapons for yourself on offense. Um, you know, you kind of make your offense less multidimensional uh, when, you, when you bring in help uh, for, for the offensive line. You know, Nebraska did some things in the second half of the Purdue game to slow down the pass rush, and, and it led to some big plays on the offensive side, Roll, rolling out Casey Thompson. You know, they're going to have to mix in short passes. They're, they're not, they, they won't, Casey's not going to have time to unleash deep throws if, if that's, if that's the, the, the focus or you know, the, the only weapon that this, this offense has. You know, places where I think they can get better, you know, I'll just give you a couple. Um, at the linebacker spots, you know, clearly they were compromised on Saturday night at Purdue because of the injury to Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich getting hurt in the middle of that game. So whatever Nebraska can do to get those guys back on the field, I think is, is essential. 
just playing within themselves on defense. You know, I think we saw the defense take a step back, and, you know, that was in part because of the competition. But um, there were guys at all levels, um, but I would say particularly up front and maybe on the edge who were trying to do too much, who were freelancing um, in, in much the same way that we saw in the first three or four games of the season. And they settled down against Indiana and Rutgers and trusted their teammates and, and largely stayed at home and made the plays that they needed to make when, when things came to them or that they, that they, that they sought out within their, their assignments. And that, uh, you know, that didn't, that didn't happen uh, as regularly against Purdue. Uh, you, you know, and, and Aiden O'Connell had a great game, and that, that's part of it. He made Nebraska look bad defensively, but I think there were things fundamentally that the Huskers did not do as well in that game as, as we saw the previous two weeks. Mitch Sherman's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Mitch, before we get to grades, I want to ask you a question about stuff I've seen floating around on Twitter. Rumors out there that Trev already has his guy, that the head coaching search is done. And I haven't seen any reliable sources. So I want to talk to the most reliable source I know, and that, that is you. What, what do you think of those rumors? I do not think the head coaching search is done. I don't, I don't think that Trev has his guy. I think that he's... He's a ways into this process now, though. This is the sixth week that this thing has been going on. And he started out, as we know, talking to a number of people who were not uh, involved as, as candidates. You know, he wanted to gather as much information as he could, as much opinion as he could about this job, about um, what's possible at Nebraska, about, about how it's viewed outside of um, local and, and Big Ten circles. And I think he's, he's – largely finished with that process at this point you're not going to do that for two months he's 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 he has the the knowledge and the information that he needs now to go make a hire and you know i think the process has begun to um to vet candidates uh, to eliminate candidates if that's something that he needs to do to to whittle this thing down um but no uh trev does trev does not have his guy at this point um more than likely his guy is with another team and is, is coaching another team. And um, you're generally not going to get uh, a yes um, or even a whole lot of conversation, in, in some cases no conversation, from the actual coach until uh, his season is, is very close to an end or entirely over. Mitch, uh, let's talk offense and defensive grades and then cumulative grade for this Nebraska team that now sits at 3-4 and four and – Two and two in Big Ten play. Well, um, it's been up and down uh, on both sides of the ball. I we did a grading exercise at the Athletic this week, midseason grades for all all of uh, major teams in college football, and I gave Nebraska a C minus as a team. So I'm not going to veer from that in in what I say here. Offensively. You know, there's a there's some recency bias here, and we saw the Nebraska offense play pretty well as far as the yards and points that it put up against Purdue. But you know, the week before that, it was 14 points at Rutgers. You know, I'd I'd probably give the offense um, a C, um, maybe a C plus overall. Uh, been, been more consistent than the defense, and the defense had a couple good games there in the middle. Um, on the heels of Bill Bush getting promoted to defensive coordinator, but really it's been it's been more bad than good if you look at the seven games as a whole for this defense. So um, probably need to go with a, a grade in the range of a D on uh, on on the D, a D for the D with what they've they've done um, over the entire season. 
Well, we uh, any any shot to uh, to to miraculously pull off a, a midterm and then a final? Can the final save you? <laughs> Black Friday get you to a bowl game uh, with the with the grading. I think that's the best case scenario for Nebraska is to figure out a way to split these next four games and go to Iowa um, at five at, at uh, five and six with an opportunity to win that game because that's a winnable game and it's it's a game where of these last six. I'm sorry, the last five, it's, it's maybe the game where Nebraska could, could find a way to match up the, the best against an opponent. Now, Iowa has a great defense, um, but the, the Hawkeyes are so poor right now on offense that um, you know, two touchdowns might, might win that game. Ten points might win that game. I think Nebraska could probably do that as long as it doesn't make you know, special teams errors like we've seen in the past in that series. And, and, I, and, and there have been, there's been improvement, notable improvement in that area for Nebraska. So maybe that's something that could get – get them over the hump. But finding two wins in the next two before that, um, you know, it's not going to be Michigan. Um, I don't think it's going to be Illinois. I mean, I think that one right there is the second most difficult game left on the schedule. So um, maybe the path to bowl eligibility or the most likely path to bowl eligibility for Nebraska is to beat the old um, triumvirate from the West that has just tormented this program for, for uh, you know, the last several years, and that's Minnesota, Wisconsin, and, and of course, Iowa. Um, those teams are all gettable, but they all play good defense. Um, in the case of Minnesota and, and Wisconsin, they can run the ball extremely well with with Mo Ibrahim and, and Braylon Allen. Um, so even when you see those teams struggling, um, the matchup is is very difficult for Nebraska. And then you know, as I mentioned, the other two, um, you're just hoping to come out uh, and 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 have all your you know the teeth in your head. Mitch, quick, quickly, ten seconds. If we're looking at other other students' report cards, is Illinois getting an A for what they've put together so far this season? Yeah, probably overall. I mean, there's that puzzling loss to Indiana, but um, defensively, they're great. Definitely an A on the offensive side, and you know, maybe a B, um, a B, uh, uh, an A on the defensive mm-hmm. side. If that's if that's not what I said, but uh, maybe a B, a B offensively. But yeah, I'd say overall, Bielema has got has has. They've earned their A. They're the favorite. They're the favorite in the Big Ten West right now, which you know we did not see coming uh, three months ago. Mitch, we'll check in again soon. Thanks for the time, as always. Okay, good to talk to you guys. Thanks. Take care. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff uh, from Mitch Sherman. Thanks to Isaac and Alexis for coming by to take the time to shadow us. That was cool to meet them. And uh, Isaac threw out a stat that we saw and thought was really pretty good. The fact that Bama and Tennessee scored what they scored last Saturday, Iowa scored a whopping 47 points the entire season. Now, Iowa at least has a scoring defense right around eight to nine points a game, about nine point something per ball game. Illinois is number one in the country at 8.8. And uh, you want to see Nebraska, Illinois, uh, your friends at Red Zone Tickets can help you with that. Husker Volleyball, Creighton Basketball. How about College World Series, concert seats, theater seats? It's all about Red Zone Tickets selling fun since 2001. And maybe you, you have seats already to some event you can't get to. They'll buy your tickets as well. And when it comes to, to local, Red Zone Tickets is there for you in Omaha. 
They're reliable, 100% guarantee on all orders. You'll receive authentic tickets and experiences you'll never forget. And they have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. We're doing midterm report cards. That's over 20 years of A-plus taking care of folks with red zone tickets. So it's bucket list for a lot of us when we take uh, uh, son or daughter or family member to an event or ball game. You'll never forget those memories. They're created for a lifetime. Let Red Zone Tickets help you with that. RedZoneTickets.com. Get there today. RedZoneTickets.com. Selling fun since 2001. And if, if you're looking at that Illinois game, one thing I will say, I know it's way early to, to be giving a preview and we still have a full bye week and then a full week of preparation for Illinois, but look at who Illinois has played this season with the number one defensive ranking. I'm not saying their defense is bad. But they haven't faced an offense like Nebraska's. What they've been able to do all season long is roll a safety down, play cover one all game, and leave their corners on islands. Because uh, their their pass rush and their interior, their D line's great. D line's great, and they've been able to leave their 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 corners on islands and say, "Hey, if you can get the ball out in three seconds every single play, so be it. We trust our corners." I think Trey Palmer and the Trey Palmer effect, and I don't want to buy too heavily into one game, but based on what I've seen all year long, I think Illinois might struggle with that. You might force them to, to get into some some defenses that they don't quite uh, feel as comfortable in. So I'm not, I'm not saying Nebraska's going to put up 35 points in Illinois, far be it, but I do think Nebraska could have more offensive success against Illinois than a lot of other teams this season. For, formationally, uh, think about this. I you mean, you've seen really good yards after the catch by Grant. Uh, you know who looks new and improved is Ramir. Those are two receiving options you can use, along with Washington, along with Vokalek, along with Palmer, and and then you have uh, Ollie as well. And if I mean, you, come, if you, you come have out, options, if you come out with Tommy Hill and Trey Palmer on the field, Illinois is going to have to respect that. I don't think you can play single high safety with those two guys in the field because no. then, then you're, you're making the, the corner make a decision if both those guys are going deep. Which one are you going to stick with? Which one are you going to let go one-on-one coverage? So I, I would expect that Illinois is not going to be able to do what they've been able to be so comfortable in all year long whenever they take on Nebraska. But that's a long ways away. We still need to get into defensive report cards. We do. We'll also get some special teams uh, report cards as well. Phones are open for you for about 15 minutes if you want to give your grade, your overall grade on Nebraska football. Defensively, I'm going to give the, the D-line a D+. Plus. I'm going to give the linebacking core a C. I'm going to give the secondary a C plus. The defense right now at a D plus for me. Special teams, where do they rank? They have been top 50. The return game's been better. The field goals, again, recency have been good. Punting's been hit or miss. You've blocked uh, a handful of kicks. You've also allowed a block. But again, it's it's first quarter, second quarter when we're talking midterm report cards where special teams didn't really hurt you, but they didn't help you a ton. The onside kick looms large. That's one of those that, that didn't quite get flushed, <laughs> and it still hangs in the air, and it will throughout the season, if not uh, a decade. But I give special teams a solid B right now. So defense for me... Oh, man. You have two two second-half shutouts and then the Purdue situation. You also have Oklahoma. You also have Northwestern. You also have Georgia, Georgia Southern. Southern. But you've had a shift. I mean, you got Bushman running it now, and it's been better. You, you give me a couple of Bs and then a D, at least through three games with Bush, right? 
So, I mean, if, if you would have asked I'm me. I'm going to go C minus. What I say? I'm going to say C minus defensively, and I'm going to go B for special teams. If you would have asked me a week ago today what I thought Nebraska's defense would be if the Purdue game had not yet happened, I think I would have been comfortable giving this defense either a C minus or a C based on the improvements they had made. I would have said, you know what? They had a rough start to the season, but they're starting to get some things figured out. They may have started the season at a D minus, but. They did well on uh, some some tests, and now they're up to a C. They they, they got an A on a the old Friday quiz helped yeah. out, right? But but then you see what happened against Purdue, and you started a new unit, and you went and bombed the unit. Mm-hmm. So sure. I, I think that pulls you back down into into D territory. Fair enough. Be, because the offenses you faced, Rutgers is not a good offense. Might be second worst in the Big Ten behind Iowa, from what I've seen from Rutgers' mm-hmm. offense this season. And Indiana has been pretty hit or miss, but they haven't consistently found offense. And now with the benefit of hindsight, looking back at those two teams, I think a D for the defense is fair with potential for some improvement later in this season, but not necessarily hope. That, that's where you're at as a teacher looking at this defense. Is you got, well, they're, they're, they're still a lot of time. Can they hang There's on potential. and pass? Can they hang exactly. on and pass? You know, and listen, uh, Mitch nailed it. I mean, you had some, some edge play freelance going on against Purdue that, you, you hope won't happen again. Who's with us? We got Paul on the line. Paul, go ahead. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, uh, I was ready to give a D minus across the board, but I, I guess uh, you're you're convincing me that with the effort that they've given and the two wins under uh, the new regime, that maybe we have to <coughs> throw out the low and uh, give them a better score. Uh, so yeah, I'm still praying for these guys, and mostly, I mean, you you've got some pull, don't you, Schmitty? Can you get them to come out with a double tight end set with an empty backfield so that the quarterback has some time to throw? <laughs> We're talking to Ron Brown tomorrow. That's the first thing I'm going to talk to Ron about right now. <laughs> Ron, you're a senior offensive analyst. Can we go double tight, empty? We know how empty went over last time. <laughs> hey, I, I get that, but uh, I'm sorry. We've got tackles that simply are getting beat bad mm. and it got better against Purdue when you had the tight end helping the right tackle no I, I agree the problem is is you want to be able to find your tight end uh, and use that weapon I maybe you flex out Vokalek and you leave someone else in the block but but Vokalek's so good at what he does he gives you a little extra minute or two. And then a lot of times... Just, have him, just you, have him chip on the guy. Chip on the guy and then really. Well, I was just going to go there. Whenever you start the old doing Michigan that, game plan. And defenses start adjusting. They start going wide down. You start giving your tackles even more space that they have to go operate in to, to defend those defensive ends. Whenever you get passing downs and tight ends chipping, a lot of times defenses will go wide nine to adjust to that. Yeah. Paul, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate hey, it. Have a good, one, guys. good stuff. Yeah, we will, we will bring that up with Coach Brown tomorrow. You know, Paul Paul wants us to ask, if you're on hold, stay there. We'll get to your calls. You can give us your grades uh, as it is mid-season report card time. One of those doom and gloom days, quite frankly, in the Schmidt household, at least for me. Uh, we'll wind down this first hour. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Matt Schick of ESPN, Sirius XM, and the Schick and Nick Show, 10 minutes away. Get his take on his sit-down with Mickey Joseph, his great on Nebraska, the amount of cigars smoked in Knoxville. Uh, We are presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Pete's on the line with uh, his 
uh, grade, the midterm report card. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for the call. How are you doing today? We're good, bud. Thanks for the phone call. You know, I guess you have to break it down in, in two seasons so far, in my opinion. The second part of the season, <laughs> uh, the last three games, I thought there was some improvement. I would probably give them a D. But on this Purdue game, you know, we have to realize our defense is not built for 101 snaps. And when our linebackers went out, when you play Purdue and that quarterback is that accurate and put the ball on a dime, it makes the defense uh, put them back on their heels. Our linebacker, our freshman linebacker, you know, he might be a terrific athlete, but mentally uh, he's just not quite up to speed in, in a game like that. So I kind of I kind of take the Purdue game, and, yeah, the defense didn't play the best, but on the other side of it, uh, the offense didn't help out scoring so quickly and, and put them out there for 101 snaps. And, yeah, our two linebackers gone. I thought that was pretty critical. Mm. But uh, I guess I would probably rate the defense overall probably a D. Well, and the reality is this. Your best option right now is Ernest Hausman, right? As young as he is, as new as he is, uh, he has shown enough to to earn that opportunity, and he'll get better with time and, and get coached up. Now, the fact that he is the option and there's not alternative options that have been in the program longer is a discussion point. Pete, thanks for the phone call. But <laughs> Purdue's a nightmare to try and deal with, just flat out, especially if you're going with some guys that aren't typically your starters. Uh, we'll get more of your thoughts. Brennan chimes in with a great point, and this is something for uh, anyone's back pocket if it gets into a degree discussion. These can and do get degrees, right? Again, depends on your major, depends on the class. Right, right. Uh, you know the the thing that was the uh, I, 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 the 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 tough thing to deal with is if you don't get a C or a C plus, you get to retake it mm-hmm. and retake it and retake it because you got to have that C to move forward. And I, I think at UNL, and I, I never really had to worry about this, right? Because you're you're an academic. I'm a scholar. scholar. Yeah, no, my, you are. You're a scholar. My, you were. My, my dad stopped checking my report cards like late middle school. It was, it was Full disclosure for Elijah Herbal. He is like scholarship, brilliant dude. Uh, yeah, come to our school, please, and we'll we'll take care of you. So you're okay. you're a smart guy. That's that's impressive. But I believe it was anything in your major you had to get a C. And, and, and in your major, or your minor. But I think the not or the prerequisite, not the prerequisites, the, uh, the the general education classes. I believe you could get a D in and still pass, unless you took them pass fail. In which case, you need a C. Mm-hmm. I, I think if my memory serves me correctly. But my my you you, ne- you never ever level. like took pass fail, did you? I took one. What Spanish? <laughs> I didn't learn a damn thing in that class, dude. <laughs> I had no idea. C means two things. Right? <laughs> C means I'm passing. Yes and, and pass. Yes. Uh, right. I think the only one I learned C and our ball tree. Mas cerveza por favor. Ah, uh, more beer, please. I remember that one. Right. Yeah. Uh, where's the baño bathroom? Uh, Matt Schick on the way. Hour two. Hail Varsity presented by Currency. Each year, approximately five thousand children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. 
Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. And, well, it's a bye week, so we're going to enjoy that bye again with <laughs> Matt Schick of ESPN, ESPN Radio, and Sirius XM. Of course, you catch him with Schick and Nick, the podcast with Herd at Media. Schick, what's good? Uh, how's the week been? Thanks for the time. Yeah, week's been good. It was a good weekend of college football. We're in Charlotte. We're in, uh, we've got temperatures in the 50s today, which is unheard of. I don't know how you guys deal with it, frankly, Schmitty. I don't know how I ever dealt with it. Uh, <laughs> it like, it become, uh, in Omaha, become very, very soft. It dips below 50. I don't really leave the house, which is a great excuse for someone who likes to eat like myself. But, yeah, we're doing okay. Doing all right. Well, we're uh, dealing with a little bit of uh, 40s-ish the uh, order was given to shut the sprinklers down, so that happened yesterday. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back in the mid to upper 70s for the weekend, so going to swing the clubs uh, or, or lose a few golf balls. But want to start off, great sit-down with Mickey Joseph, first and foremost. If you haven't heard it, please catch it on the Schick and Nick Show, the podcast on Heard At. But um, you, you've done a ton of interviews and uh, you had a chance to sit down with uh, with Mickey Joseph, local interest ahead of the Purdue game. And Matt, want to just ask you your uh, your impression of Mickey. We'll get to on field in a moment, but just what did you take away with uh, with spending a few minutes with him? Well, thanks. Yeah, it was um, it was a good twenty minutes. And uh, when I did the interview, I did not well, I did not know I was going to be on Zoom. I didn't know I'd see him. I didn't know he'd see me. And when he flashed up there, I mean, it was, all right, it's go time. And it was um, it was good. I like those types of interviews where you can make eye contact, you can establish some trust a little bit. And, and you know, it was an interesting interview in that, you know, you start off by just, just asking him a little bit more about his background. I want to know more about his coaching inspirations. Um, and then we started to get into more about his current situation. And I think – you know, I'll let you ask some follow-ups if you want, but I think just the more overarching feel I got from him was that he's he wants the job, he's ready for the job, he's not getting his hopes up that he will get the job, and I think in the back of his mind he probably understands he's got he's going to have to have a uh, he's going to have a decision to make at the end of this season. I think he even said, "I'm a realist." Uh, when I asked him about his candidacy, and that can be taken one of many ways. One is it's out of his control. The other is he understands they're probably not going to win out <laughs> to make it a very easy decision, and there might be a lot of gray there. There's, there's a lot of ways to read into that, but, man, is he an impressive guy, level-headed, um, not afraid to speak his mind, not afraid of not getting the job. Like, he's kind of been there done that he'll cross any bridge when he comes to it but certainly not before and it was um it was an interesting dialogue you said it and and he is a realist he's been uh, a guy that's worked his way up and then got uh, 
the, the gig at LSU after some lower-level stops. And Schick, he's, he's taken notes, mental notes, all along the way. I mean, he's at 54, 55 years of age. You'd hope there's a mature guy, but he really, really is. And the thing that shows up on Saturdays, win or lose, is is the leadership aspect. And I think that's been our biggest takeaway locally here covering the team where the guys are, are coached up, they're ready, and he's really no nonsense. He, he cares about the kids, but it's, it's I'm your parent, not your friend. That's kind of the vibe I get from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you have to have a pulse as a leader, um, especially as a leader of young men. You can't just give them marching orders and then watch from afar and feel distant. You really got to be engaging. I mean, you know, people love that about Bo Pelini when he started out. It was just the fire that he coached with for better or worse, and it certainly got him in trouble many times, both on and off the field. Um, but coming off of Scott Frost, I mean, Mickey Joseph looks like the most energetic guy that's ever walked the face of the earth. And, you know, it's not to disrespect and talk bad about a coach now that he's out the door. But I always felt Frost was just kind of this walking zombie who you, who players were kind of on their own emotionally. And whether it was different, um, you know, between the lines during practice, we will never know. But man, during a game, you got to be up in guys. You got to be, and I mean up in their face. You got to, you got to, they got to see you. You know, there's a reason the head coach doesn't coach from the box. The coach is on the sideline. He needs to be there to be face-to-face with his men, his young men, guys. And I feel like Mickey gets that. And, um, you know, I asked him, why have, why has this team responded to you in your coaching style? And he just said, look, we hold them accountable. You know, whether it's – he mentioned a few players, whether it's this guy who plays a lot or this guy who doesn't, who's a star, this guy who's not – you need to hold them accountable, and you need to hold our coaches accountable. And people see that, people notice of that. And so, yeah, he's he's had a lot of different coaching influences. He mentioned a handful of names. He mentioned Tom Osborne. He mentioned Ed Ogeron. Could you find two different head coaches than that? So he's he's kind of filled in the uh, the space between those two guys and become his own man. It's pretty cool. Do you get the feel that that he enjoys being a head coach? I mean it's not a guarantee that a guy just because he's been a great positional coach, a great coordinator is going to make that jump to, to being a head coach and enjoy it. Some people are cut out for different things, but from what I've seen on the sideline, it looks like he's having a good time. What I've, I've heard in the press conferences as well. Do you get that, that feel that he's been enjoying what he's had to do stepping up and filling this interim head coaching role? Well, it, it seems that way. I also think it's an interesting spot where he's got nothing to lose here. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders of, you've got to turn this program around. He's, I don't want to say he's a short-timer, but when you know that you know, you're, you're kind of put in a tough spot here where the expectation is you are not going to be the head coach, whether he knows that or not, that just feels like the outside expectation. Now, he might feel differently. He might feel like he's got a great shot at this, and, but, but he doesn't show his cards. So I, I don't know how he would do as a head coach. I don't know. You never really know how someone would do when all eyes are on you and you've got to answer for the next five years, not just for the next five minutes. But it seems like he does. It seems like he wants it. He likes it. He enjoys it. And a, a guy that 
you know, will be given every opportunity to prove himself down the stretch. Matt Schick with us from ESPN, also the Schick and Nick show, Hail Varsity Radio. Find Matt on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. And with with Mickey, you know, to, to the, the question mark out there about, you know, does, does he want the gig? Yeah, he, he'd like the gig, but what's he best suited for? And, and I think that that energy you talked about really makes him uh, a high level candidate uh, from a motivational standpoint. But the background in Nebraska, Matt, I think he he knows how to fix Nebraska. Do you agree with that? I think he knows um, there's a couple of different ways to answer that. I think he knows what it takes yes. to fix Nebraska. I think he knows what a good Nebraska looks like and a lot like Scott Frost does. He's also been around you know, recent championship caliber and national title programs in this culture of athlete that I think he can relate to really well. I mean, he talked about the fact that, you know, when he came to Nebraska, um, he didn't want to be there. Like when he first showed up in our conversation with him, I said, what was the toughest decision you ever had to make? And he said, well, probably forgiving my mom for making me go to Nebraska. He wanted to go to Oklahoma and play for Barry Switzer. But he understood that Barry Switzer was going to be his friend. And his mom didn't want a friend as a coach. His mom wanted a coach and a leader and a father figure. And that's what Tom Osborne became. And so I think he understands what a good coach is. What better influence is there than Tom Osborne? I mean, he told me he's meeting with Osborne every week. Every week he's meeting with him. He's got a standing up and he talks to him. Um, you know, that's a guy who's always willing to learn, who's to listen to one of the greatest head coaches of all time, and you know maybe model his coaching style or at least part of it after him. And he's a guy that, you know, you're going to recruit guys who might, when they get to Lincoln, have a little culture shock for many different reasons. And, you know, maybe Frost didn't understand that you have to re-recruit your roster every year. I mean, there was an exodus of guys from Florida that decided to leave. Would that have happened under Mickey Joseph? I don't know. I find it hard to believe that Mickey couldn't convince a few of these high-caliber guys to stay. He certainly convinced Trey Palmer and Nicholas Crawford to come with him. So, um, to me, I think there's a lot going into Mickey that whether he's the head coach or not, man, you got to move heaven and earth to make sure he stays because he's impressive, as impressive as they come, and whether he's the head coach or not, can help you fix this program and, and can help fulfill its potential, whatever that is, in 2022. Matt, let's look at Nebraska and the task at hand, the drive for six, getting to a bowl game after this season's start would be impressive. You have some teams on the docket that are going to grind you up and spit you out because of their lines of scrimmage. That said, they're not overwhelming uh, when you look at some of the offenses and injuries that are are present with Minnesota and, and Iowa, a couple of teams. Bielema comes in, in in a week. And then there's Wisconsin that's trying to find themselves. Michigan we won't get into because – well, that isn't going to be a nice afternoon. Cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be a good thing. But, you know, what's your what's your outlook for Nebraska? Can they get to six? Can they find uh, three more wins? Or, man, are you thinking maybe one or two more? We had this conversation, I don't know, a month and a half ago or so. 
uh, and uh, it, it really hasn't changed because, you know, Nebraska still has that opportunity in front of them and some playmakers to get it done. Yeah, I mean, the, I think when we talked, we set the over-under Vegas-wise, FPI-wise for ESPN at about one and a half, yeah. and I said probably take the under. And then they beat Indiana, and then they go beat Rutgers. So who am I to say exactly what they can or can't do? Um, but I'll, I'll say this. I think they will go on the field against some of these teams with comparable talent, if not a better situation in terms of health in terms of cohesion. I mean, Iowa can't score. Mm. I was a 29-point underdog against Michigan. My guess would be if Nebraska played Michigan tomorrow, it would probably be around 25. Mm -hmm. So that might kind of gives you an indication of maybe what Vegas might think about Nebraska versus Iowa. Um, you know, Iowa didn't uh, – didn't, they're, they're still trying to figure out their quarterback position and, and everything in between. I know they didn't make a quarterback available to the media today for the first time this year, whatever that means going forward. Uh, Tanner Morgan's status, who the heck knows. And Wisconsin with their own interim head coach, and, and Graham Mertz isn't the greatest of all time. So I think those are the three that you look at. I think Illinois, you know, if you're, you're coming off the bye, there's an opportunity there. They just have one of the better defenses in the country, frankly, statistically, and one of the top ten head coaches in the country, in my judgment. So... I think there's an opportunity there when you get to Black Friday, maybe you're sitting at five wins. You know, I wouldn't rule that out. And then who the heck knows when you get there. Um, I would love for them to do it just so that the, the decision becomes a little more challenging to make. Uh, I, I love to watch other people have to, do, have to make tough decisions and get paid <laughs> a lot of money. And I love Trev. I'm glad I'm not at his shoes. Maybe in the back of his mind he's kind of hoping it's obvious. Um, but he's also said he's not going to uh, do anything that he, he's not going to do anything to win a press conference. He doesn't want to win the wedding. He wants to win the marriage. And so um, I don't know that the outcome of the rest of the season has any impact on that, but it sure would be fun to see them make a bowl game to have this team something to celebrate. And frankly, whether Mickey gets the job or not, to have him be rewarded for his efforts. In your mind, is Nebraska's issue on the lines of scrimmage Misevaluation or just underdevelopment X number of years? Well, if you look at the recruiting rankings, uh, it doesn't seem to be, it, it can't be both in my, in my estimation. I mean, they're, they're, they've been on par with Wisconsin. They've been on par, if not better, than Iowa. And yet the line of scrimmage has just not been there. To me, you know, you would have to be so wrong in evaluation, you know, eight times out of ten to be as bad as they are in the lines of scrimmage. Uh, to me, this is all about coaching, and to me, that's why there's there's got to be some sort of encouragement there that they can they can fix this. You can't be one of the worst teams in the Power Five at Nebraska uh, on the lines of scrimmage simply because you missed on guys. That's just not possible. Uh, you're just bad at coaching. And, um, and to me, that's where this is. And uh, frankly, all the line of scrimmage has to do is be average. Just be something better than deplorable, and you'll have an opportunity to win some of these, some of these football games. I don't, I don't think they're that far off from winning eight or nine games. But, man, if you can't win up front, you got no shot. And the fact is that Trev knows he, whoever he brings in 
you know, there's going to have to be an expert on the line of scrimmage and a guy who has a track record of having done that in the past because that's the only chance they have of getting this thing off the ground again. A few more minutes, Matt Schick with us from Sirius XM and ESPN TV, ESPN Radio. The Schick and Nick podcast, reminder to get buckled up. Your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. A few more thoughts with Matt Schick of ESPN. More calls and emails from you on the Nebraska Report Card midseason. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10. $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now. And now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Matt Schick with us from ESPN. Also the Schick and Nick show. Hail Varsity Radio. Find Matt on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. And Matt, were you uh, wise enough to buy stock in Swisher Suites ahead of Tennessee and Bama? <laughs> yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been very smart. Would have been very smart indeed. I love the, uh, I just love the reaction to it. Like if you if that were a Big Twelve game, you know, people would have said, "Does anyone play defense anymore?" <laughs> But it's the SEC, and my God, was that the best game you've ever seen in the history of Western civilization? And not only that, Tennessee should be number one, even if they couldn't stop Alabama. Who cares, man? Like, that was awesome. Right? So, it happens all the time. If Nebraska were to take down a number one team here in the next couple of years, do you think the goalposts are going into Salt Creek? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Take them, take them up by some sort of some sort of creek, and they just lay there in the sludge. Um, yeah, I don't like I was just I was watching the game with my wife and and then afterwards she heard about it you know the next day she's like I heard they dumped those goalposts in the river like if you're going to take the goalposts do something smart with it I'm like you know what you're right why are we dumping them into a river like lemmings where are the environmentalists shaking their fists at the at the cloud the fact that we're dumping this stuff in there. And also, don't you want to keep a keepsake? Like, are you that confident that you're going to be doing this again? That you're like, hey, we're all right. You know, this might be the best you ever get. Who the heck knows? But, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And it kind of gives you a uh, an indication. I said after the game and tweeted it out that it, the atmospheres that we saw on Saturday were just so good, whether it was Rice-Eccles Stadium or Neyland Stadium or even Ann Arbor. It's like, the next time a college administrator tells you we need more of these college football playoff games on neutral sites and bowl games, you have my uh, you have my permission to just go verbally smack them in the face because the college football, what makes it so great is what we saw on Saturday, and that's not in sterile environments in the corporate world. It's right on campus where all these games should be. What you do is you get a hacksaw or a chainsaw, you start chopping it up, and you go door to door and sell 
parts of a goalpost on O Street. I mean, you just make a little coin. And if, if there's a, a moment in time where the goalposts are threatened, Trevor put his helmet on because those things are expensive. He will fight every single no. one to make sure that no there's no, no fine. So uh, fair to say, let's just give three spots in the playoff to the SEC, Matt. Yeah, well, I would say four. Um, I'd say, yeah. You know, I think it's Alabama. I think it's Georgia. I think it's Tennessee. And, frankly, um, Ole Miss. You know, Ole Miss becomes a one-loss SEC team after they lose to Alabama. They win out. you got four one-loss teams. Have Georgia beat Tennessee. And then uh, Georgia beat Bama. Or Bama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. you got the four best teams in the country right there in the SEC. I don't know why you'd go elsewhere. Uh, apologies to an undefeated Ohio State and an undefeated TCU. Frankly, an undefeated Clemson. Sorry. Um, you know, so bad, too bad, so sad. It's all SEC, baby. We will expedite uh, the the expansion now, <laughs> right? To uh, the, the Big 12, though. I, I know they're beating up on one another, but, man, it's it's better than it's been in a long time. I know Baylor's at 3-3 three and three and Iowa State's lost four in a row. Texas is off the mat. Uh, KU's been a good story. Uh, TCU and K-State are going to hook up this weekend. And, uh, you know, the Big 12, I don't know that they'll get much consideration unless TCU stays undefeated. But uh, it's, Matt, it's been way better than than it has in a long time. And they're pretty strong. I mean, uh, with with exceptions to West Virginia. And they just pulled off a big win. Yeah, I think if there's um, anything you take from this season, it's that, you know, the future is good for the Big 12, even without your your tent poles of Texas and Oklahoma. Now you'd love to keep them. Uh, but frankly, the sooner they leave, the better, probably for everybody. Oklahoma is dreadful, and they're going to walk into the SEC, and they're going to have a grand old time uh, in that league when uh, they can't stop anybody. Um, and so, you know, when the Big 12 adds Houston and Cincinnati and BYU, I mean, it's going to be a fun league, and it is a fun league. And, and hopefully when they have high-scoring games, they're not knocked for no defense. Um, but I think if I think a great story would be TCU. You know, they were left out of that first college football playoff uh, despite having an electric season and that one loss that they had on the road to Baylor. Uh, imagine if they went out. Imagine if they make the playoff with Max Duggan from Council Bluffs, Iowa mm-hmm. at quarterback. Like, there's your Midwest connection. Let's make it happen. I'd love to see it. Last thought, Matt Schick with us uh, with ESPN. Schick and Nick show with Herdat. Great interview with Mickey Joseph. Catch their podcast and that interview. Give me a grade on Nebraska here. Midterm report card. Oh, I'd love to cop out and say incomplete. Um, but I think anytime you fire your coach, it's hard to be better than D. So I'll say D+. plus. Uh, maybe C minus if we're generous and it's on a Friday and you're catching the teacher on a good day. Um, but I would say I, I would say D plus. I mean, um, the lines of scrimmage are a train wreck. They can't stop anybody. And uh, I think the plus comes with Trey Palmer um, and Mickey Joseph and the hope that you have that things are going to get better if you have the right person in there. But I'd probably say a D plus here in the in the midterm. Now, frankly. Uh, we're grading on a curve here, and uh, I would say they were probably at D minus two or three weeks ago. We do our power rankings on Sirius XM, and the and Nebraska was like 14th in our Big Ten power rankings about four weeks ago. They're moving all the way up to like number 10 right now. 
So I think people are seeing signs of life. That D plus, you know, if that's in pencil or you get the right penmanship, you can easily turn that D into a C uh, pretty quickly here with maybe one more win. I mean, it'll go up in the buy as other people lose as well. Yes, uh, you gotta you gotta do a little uh, manicuring of of the the letters uh, when you put it on the fridge. Matt, best to you, and and thanks for a few minutes today as always, man. Always good. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Good to hear from Matt Schick, ESPNU, Sirius XM, ESPN, and ESPN Radio, Schick and Nick podcast. We'll have a couple of thoughts from Mickey and Schick's sit-down uh, in uh, just a moment. Some emails and comments to get to as well. Brennan, love his idea. Uh, if there's a game where Nebraska wins and the goalposts do come down, Brennan says he would float down the Niobrara. Oh, on the okay. goalpost. That's pretty good. Uh, Jeff says, would uh, Mickey go to the SWAC, make a name for himself? You know you know what's gotten a lot of buzz is Coach Prime, Dion's 60-minute interview. Uh, really fascinating interview, TV. I mean, Prime's old school, hell of a good coach, killing it where he's at. And, and he's happy. He's getting phone calls. He'll get phone calls from... Georgia Tech or from Auburn and Florida State's nuts to not go back after him. But he's happy and he's building up and it's bigger than him. He's really working on the community. Uh, Jackson State's where Walter Payton went. But uh, Coach Prime's kind of done it his way. Uh, You have a, a a tweet in here from Steve. And he's like, well, the onside kick ultimately define if Nebraska makes a bowl. It could Think about it. It absolutely could because you think Iowa, Wisconsin, and you sound foolish saying this now based on how the run defense has been, but air quote gettable, right? Same with Minnesota. And it's just as easy for them. And Mitch nailed it. Mitch Sherman with us in hour one. I think Illinois and Michigan probably off the table. All those stranger things. Home field. Illinois is not a juggernaut offensively. Plenty of time to dive into that matchup next week. Numbers to get in. You want to join us can do so. 466-3776-800-825-5865. Midterm report cards. It's been our theme today, and I've settled in right around that C-minus. Offense, defense, special teams is is where I'm at. D-plus, C-minus. Because there's been moments where the defense has been okay, serviceable. You look at Indiana, you look at uh, Rutgers. There's moments where the offense is really delivered. And then special teams has been probably the most consistent out of the phases. Uh, well, you can argue. You can argue. Todd emails in. <laughs> There's not enough extra credit or sacks of apples to get this team a passing grade in my book. The apple that you leave on the teacher's desk because you were the butt kiss in class. Who's with us? We got John on the line. John, go ahead. Thanks for calling. I enjoyed your show immensely. I tried calling in a few times uh, since last week, and you were mentioning uh, the cost of hiring a, a head coach, and I think uh, cost is going to be a real factor if we don't go with uh, Mickey Joseph, and I think he should be paid at least 
with Scott Frost was plus 10 or 20 percent more. But I'm just, you know, looking at names and different things is uh, is the decision-making going to also be based on we've seen what Nicky Joseph can do. And I think if he can get to five wins with what he was left, this sort of dumpster fire, that knowing what you got and seeing the coach do what he could do, I don't care if you're going to bring in this guy and that guy. There's someplace else. This coach is here, and he showed what he could do. And, and, and I think that's a real – to me, a real factor that should be taken. John, into it's it's a very sound argument with, well, think what Mickey could do when it's not a dumpster fire. Think what Mickey could do with his recruiting prowess. Think what Mickey could do with some hires he could make, some people he knows in the business, some guys that he knows are really good coaches that can bring in some talent but also develop. I mean, Nick Mickey knows how to get it handled uh, on the recruiting front and get difference makers from a player standpoint, but he also gets how to, he gets the recipe. He knows the secret sauce as to what made Nebraska great in the 80s and 90s, and that was physicality and development and then being able to, to reload versus having to, to rebuild. I mean, that's well, all key. Yeah. And money money is not going to be an offer. It won't be, uh, uh, it won't be a, a deterrent, I should say. It's not going to be a deterrent, a deterrent for Mickey. And it won't be a, de- a deterrent for the national search with the, with the money and the payday the Big Ten schools and getting are getting that includes Nebraska. There's a river of money to spend on facilities, on NIL, and on head coaches. Well, you know, I haven't been this excited about Nebraska football for at least 15 years, and I'll tell you that makes a big difference in how I feel, and I think a lot of other people. And I think I hope the athletic department and the people are listening to their fans and seeing what he does for the morale. Well, he's he's uh, for sure getting looked at. John, thanks for the phone call, bud. Appreciate you tuning in. Now, there is some optimism despite the record. More of your calls coming up. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the audio side. The video side is on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that great content that Aaron Sorensen, Brandon Vogel, Jacob Padilla, uh, of course, uh, Brady Altman's. The crew continue to post. Man, it's good. And then all the interviews and press conferences all that stuff uh, is up there as well, and some uh, some reaction and analysis as well uh, in video form, and uh, the the radio show as well. Chris is with us here on the line. Chris, thanks for hanging on, and go ahead. Hey guys, great show. Uh, regarding the, the trenches, the O and D line, and, and where the issue lies, whether talent or coaching. I mean, I think it's definitely um, has has to be coaching. We've gotten the talent. Uh, far better than any other team in the Big Ten West as far as the lines go, if, if recruiting rankings and all that mean anything. Um, but just mystifying, I, I just it, it dumbfounded me to see our, our coaching hires this year on both sides of the ball. I mean, Dawson was a train wreck the first time. It was, that was the worst defensive line we had when he was here four years ago. 
Why they brought him in on defense, I just have no clue. I, I, I mean, that just wow. That that floored me that they would bring him back after how horrible the D line was that first time. Um, and then the guy in the offensive line, I can't think of his name. Um, he's got the nephew though. We were recruiting. And I think that's why they got him. Right. It's right. It's right. It's Raiola. Raiola's. Listen, Rayola. I'll say this. Yeah, Raiola and and Dawson. I'll say this about Dawson. Yeah, and- Dawson. Dawson had good pedigree at Boston College, East Coast connections, good recruiter, right? And then he left for the NFL. He did well when he was with the Giants. He came back, and uh, don't kid yourself, you had to manufacture via strength and conditioning when this old staff showed up from the Riley era, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't Big Ten ready, right? And if you well, look at the defensive line last year, I know last year's not this year, but there's been some development by Dawson. You also lost Tuioti, okay? And uh, Tuioti is a pretty good teacher. I don't know that Tuioti was a recruiter. With Riola, his background was NFL and some GA work it was uh, at uh, Notre Dame. So, yeah, I, I can't speak to the why for the hires other than familiarity. By, well, and, by and, Scott. But Riola, Riola was an assistant coach on one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I don't see the, the pedigree there other than the name and that he's got a nephew that they're recruiting. I just I did not understand that hire whatsoever. I didn't understand either. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I know they, you know, were told that the conditioning was whatever. Whenever you transition from one the hire, to another, it's Chris, always Chris, be the horrible Chris, the hire was before, this. But. The hire was familiarity and comfort versus somebody that, you didn't know, but maybe it was maybe higher recommended. I I, I, well, I don't disagree I, with you with the question mark or at least the results on the field right now. I, I think I speak with, with everybody in, in Huskerland and probably Casey Thompson, too, that, yes, the offensive line does make us puke. <laughs> they, have, they have, they have uh, uh, worn off on us, and now we all puke watching them. Chris, so, take care. Appreciate the call. You. There he is. Okay. And one more thing to add about the, the Riola conversation was that Riola also was recommended by one of the, the best offensive line coaches in the country at Notre Dame, High Stand. Yeah. He, he, he was under High that's, Stand that's and the, High Stand recommended him. That's, that's the dude that you go after or you go after John Garrison, Mr. Garrison, right, who's kicking it at NC State and killing it at NC State. Those are the two names we talked about. Because Notre Dame's O-line's been good. It was funny, or I shouldn't say funny, it was odd that he didn't go down to LSU mm-hmm. with, uh, with the Southern gentleman. <laughs> but so, and you're going to go off for recommendations. Listen, Raiola, I don't think, is a bad O-line coach. I think he's been in some bad situations. The guy knows, to play, knows how to play offensive line, did it at a high level. He's from the, the Wisconsin, the, the Alvarez, the Nebraska, the Raiola school of O-line. So... That's got a high regard in college and the NFL. There's not results right now. I, I think the, the, the results of Dawson could be more of a talking point because I brought this up over the summer, and the argument at the time was, well, do you want a, a new defensive line coach or do you want a guy who's done it before and can step in and then you get a special team? There coach? was some familiarity because Dawson had recruited some of these guys yeah. that were now juniors. There was, there was familiarity and it was a question of, well, do you want a new defensive line coach or a special teams coordinator? Because you were out of assistant coach positions to fill. And it made a lot more sense to, to bring in a special teams coordinator. You've, you've reaped the benefits of that. The special teams hasn't been an embarrassment this season. 
So that, that's when I do see more because I, I do feel like there was a, a noticeable regression among some defensive linemen. And that came back a little bit during Rutgers in Indiana. But the guys like Ty Robinson and, and even Garrett Nelson did, didn't live up to the standards that you thought they would early in the season. So Here's what you need, whoever the new coach is or whoever the coach remains to be. You talked to a lot of the old coaches at Nebraska and how did it work? You had two coaches on the line, both lines. You had Milt and Dan, interior and tackles, okay? Uncle Milt worked with the interior. Dan worked with the tackles and tight ends. Well, actually, Coach Brown worked with the tight ends, but you get my point. You had two dudes, four eyeballs on the offensive line. That important. Coach McBride talks about it where he worked with the interior defensive line and you had Tony Samuel, incredible, incredible coach, working with the outside, with, with the outside backers, the defensive end, the rush ends. And, and that's something you look at. Right now you have two secondary coaches. You have corners and a safeties coach because of how pass-heavy things are uh, in college football. But that, that's the priority. You get two, and back when Bo was here, you had Garrison and you had Barney. Two offensive line coaches in Nebraska was damn good on the offensive line. They had NFL guys, but they had dudes that were really talented. And then you pair that with a guy like Amir or Roy or Rex, you're running for 250 to three bills. And you're winning nine or ten games, period. Do we have time for any uh, any Mickey here? We're running a little short, but we can. Mm. What, what, what do you have in mind? Well, That's the question. Let's, let's get... A little bit of, of Schick sit down with Mickey Joseph, specifically uh, the, the transition to, to being head coach. Can we sneak that one in? Uh, this was uh, part of Mad Schick's interview, the Schick and Nick podcast. Catch all of it, all of the interview, but uh, Mickey and Matt here on this transition. The, the assistant coaches and administrations have done an unbelievable job of helping with the transition. And I think the kids understand, you know, what I want, what I want to see in them. But, the, but it goes back to the coaches, you know, believing in what I want on out of an administration. And, and, and we're, we're going to be a physical football team. And I think that we have a really good relationship with our players. I think it's, it's open doors for all assistant coaches. They understand that we really care about them, put our arms around them. And, and we coach them hard. We coach them hard. Don't get us wrong. We coach them hard. But they also know we care about them. So they're going to give that extra effort when they know that. Good stuff from Mickey. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of demand, but it's a tough love deal where this is in your best interest. Okay, is Nebraska going to a bowl game? We know what they got to get to, but uh, a, a Twitter projection is out. We'll spend some time on as we wind down to Tuesday with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, we'll have more of the uh, Mickey Joseph Mad Chick tomorrow on the show. Tomorrow, Bill Bender, Sporting News. Another big weekend of college football. His take on the Nebraska job search. Ron Brown also with us. Nebraska's senior offensive analyst. We'll talk with Coach Brown. 
and then Mr. Mike Babcock, Mr. Husker football. So Brett McMurphy out with his bowl projection has Nebraska v. Oregon State, the Riley Bowl. Oh. In the uh, First Responders Bowl, that is December 27th in Dallas. Uh, Brett McMurphy, I think, picked Nebraska to be him and Herbie. Were they the two that picked Nebraska to win the West? So you got to back the horse, even though the horse has stumbled out of the gate. Big Game Boomer, a funny Twitter follow, uh, has Nebraska in the pinstripe bowl, much like listener Andy calling his shot yesterday. Says it's going to be Nebraska v. North Carolina in the pinstripe bowl. And what, one thing to look at Central here. Park or Texas Barbecue right around Christmas, Elijah. I could probably get us accommodations both places. We'd, we'd, be, we'd be stuck in an apartment both spots, so I'm not sure if, if you're. Well, I'm, I'm an Upper West Side. I'm kidding. I have no <laughs> clue. I've never been to New York. We have to call old G Unit up and say, hey, can, uh, can we crash with the commissioner? <laughs> I'm sure we could, yeah. yeah? I'm, I believe it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're hey, big time. <laughs> Mr. Silver, I know you got your NBA extravaganza on Christmas Day. Can we stay in the guest wing? <laughs> that work? Uh, but one thing that, that maybe I'll have to dive into this a little bit more is to start looking at how many teams are on track for 6-6. Six and six. Because, as you know, the, the NCAA has been filling up their bowl games with the 5-7 and seven teams that are at the top of the academic progress report. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I need to look at. I haven't had been been forced to look at this in a couple of years now because it hasn't mattered. But I need to look at Nebraska's academic progress report and how many teams are on track for six and six to see how many potential teams could squeak in with a with a five and seven record. So we are doomed to have three SEC teams with this current projection: Georgia, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Bama. The national title game is Tennessee v. Georgia because we got to have some sort of a rematch in the SEC. Oh, if they go neutral field, though, I think Bama gets Tennessee. Well, probably. But how about Clemson, Illinois? The pig farmer goes to Miami Beach. It's been a long time since the pig farmer's had his shirt off. The clash of the orange. Well, it would be. There's a picture of Bielema when he was D coordinator with Wisconsin. And... Uh, he was on spring break, and it wasn't as bad as it is now, as age and father time catches up with us. Uh, Utah, Michigan, and the Rose. So you have three Big Ten teams, uh, one in the playoff and two in the New Year's Six. Ole Miss and TCU in the Sugar Bowl would be a party. It'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Syracuse, UCLA in the Holiday Bowl. Purdue, LSU in the Citrus Bowl. They have Iowa making a bowl game? They have Iowa and Oklahoma in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. This is pretty good. The Mike Leach Bowl, the first responders bowl, is Tech versus Wazoo. Alamo is Okie State and SC. And then the Music City Bowl is the Fighting Flex versus the Pirate. The Texas Bowl is Kansas v. Arkansas. It's all right. Not a bad lineup. Tomorrow, uh, we'll get you loaded up. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman. Matt Schick. Talk to you tomorrow on Hale Varsity at 4. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.